Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Welcome to the program. It's been a long day, but it's been a good day. It's been an eventful day. I was going to be joined by Mr. Spotlow, Seth Spotlow tonight on the Joey Clark Radio Hour, but he had to cancel all of a sudden. So I tagged in the last-minute request to Southern Wood here, though he's been on the radio a lot lately. I want to just get that elephant addressed, the elephant in the room. You've been on air a lot lately. Hey, look, when one member of the Hall of Fame cannot show up, what does the other only, the, oh, excuse me, the only other member of the Hall of Fame, the initial member of the Hall of Fame, what do you do? When your boy can't show up, you got to cover their back. That's what I do. Exactly. And I appreciate you being here tonight because I could go into what I'm about to go into by myself. That just seems a little uh, like mental masturbation. I don't want to do that. Well, I'm here by myself. And <laughs> is there any other way to do that? The uh, <laughs> you need you need me to keep you in line. Though. Right, right. I, need... I have to be. Well, and it also, the other side of everything. Well, and also the topic tonight will somewhat touch on something we've talked about a lot. We've talked about, for lack of a better word, human nature before. Like people basically good, basically mm-hmm. bad. But I don't want to yeah. jump to that immediately. Because and, that's part of the second part of the conversation. And and I, I really hope that the listeners realize this. You and I are really good friends. Sure, yeah. But we really have very different ideas about a lot of things, and we don't put on, and I'm not just playing the foil up here. Right. And if you're talking about human nature, I'm probably going to disagree with you on most everything you say. Maybe, though, when we get into that part of the conversation, you might find that you and I are actually very much in the same camp. And because you, there's so many different ways to look at the world, sometimes people get confused that, oh, we're so different. The world's so torn apart and balkanized and fragmented. And no, 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 no. There's good ways. It doesn't cover everything. But there are ways to decide why, does, why do certain people, let's say on the left, view the world this way. Why do certain people on the right view the world this way, even if they might disagree on a lot? Like, I think both of us are on the right for the most part. Though we have our disagreement, yeah. I'm, I'm think I'm a little more libertarian, and I might, you know, be a little different in terms of cultural values, but not really. And that's we'll get to that point in the conversation a little bit later. That's just a a teaser. And and I think, but I think that is a important. Let me just add one thing. It's important 
you and I can get along because we have a conversation yes. about ideals and ideologies that we disagree about. Well, we have values Instead of too just shouting and right. arguing with one another. And we have values that we share, too, so it makes the conversation fairly yeah. easy. And when you can make that connection and then talk through a subject, we can still walk away from it saying, I think you're wrong, Joey. Or you can say, I think you're wrong, Clay. Sure. We yeah. can still end that way but still be civil to one another without saying, I hate your guts. Right. And your livers. Right. Exactly. Guts and livers. Guts I mean, and that's, livers. I, that's when you just go way too far. Well, I mean, in my early 20s, I hated my own liver. So I understand the feeling. <laughs> no, you abused your own liver. <laughs> well, out of hatred. <laughs> or I hated some part of myself. Anyway, I want to start off with this. Because I was thinking about it earlier when I first came on air. Two news stories came up that were just Horrible. This one that is now coming out of Colorado, though it started in Florida, that woman who became obsessed with the Columbine shooting gets on a plane to Colorado near the anniversary of that shooting about 20 years ago, immediately buys weapons and ammunition when she gets off the plane. And so she's flagged. The authorities tell the school system to shut down. And then... Early this morning, or you know, almost into the afternoon, it's found out, at least reported. I don't know when it happened exactly. She's dead and has taken her own life. I mean, what a terrible story. And then on top of that, let's just add salt to the wound. There's follow-up on this story from the Mall of America where a guy who has had multiple run-ins with the police in mental health court... Took the kid off the freaking third floor! A five-year-old off the third floor of the Mall of America. Luckily, the kid's still alive. But this is what I mean, though. You can see stories like that. Then you can see how divisive our politics are and just how just stupid. It's a joke. Like, all the hand-wringing over the Mueller report... Well, just the language of politics to me now has become a big joke. Like, I saw a post from Elizabeth Warren saying, I wrote a piece in Time magazine today talking about how Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez shows that even with all the big money and big media and influence in politics, the people are still in charge. Yeah, so when Donald Trump wins or a Republican wins, it's big money and special interest. But when AOC wins and you win, Liz, it's, you know, it's the people in charge. It's just so dumb. Well, and I hate to go this far, and I may be overstretching my boundaries, and I'm doing this on purpose. Sure. But it's like MKUltra. Hmm. What what is going to come out tomorrow? What's going to happen tomorrow? Right. What is going to happen tomorrow? Thursday. April the 18th. 18th, the Mueller report is going to come out. Is anybody going to be talking about that? Because you've got dude-throwing kid three stories down for no apparent reason because he said he wanted to kill someone, and you've got crazy chick from Florida flying to Columbine and buying asinine amounts of ammunition and we're still let us not she's forget fascinated with the shooting at Columbine well, and let us not forget Monday the Cathedral of Notre Dame burns down almost and what are we talking about is anybody going to be talking about and I'm just well, I'm just saying people I, will be talking about the Mueller report this is the cynic in me hmm. is the, the Mueller report is going to be notated 
but that's not going to be the headline. Right. It won't be the headline. It's going to be this crazy chick that tried to go to Columbine and recreate the so-called shooting that allegedly happened out there. Right. And who knows what was going on there? In many ways, that will probably be studied by all sorts of clinical psychologists, criminal psychologists, um, for years to come. That will be a case study in class. How does somebody that young become obsessed with such a violent event and to go reenactment only to take her own life? Uh, And it's not just like, oh, that's interesting or that's horrible. But I was listening the other night, or last night, um, and a, a psychologist himself, Jonathan Haidt, talking about there has been, especially in the younger generations, people much younger than me even, I'm 30, and I'm kind of an older millennial, but in the sense of Generation Z, kids going to college now, there has been a rapid rise in depression. And by depression, it's not just like, oh, I have anxiety, I'm, I'm depressed. They're ex- just expressing they're depressed. No, they've seen a rise in boys and especially in girls of people being admitted for cutting themselves, these sorts of things. It's on the rise in a, a terrible way. And, but I was listening last night, and it essentially... It's like, this is a deeper issue. This is a problem Mm -hmm. in the sense of why is this happening right now? And you mentioned cynicism. And people know me. They've been listening to me for years on these airwaves. I am incredibly cynical, especially about politics. You start off... home of cynicism. Right. You start off idealistic. And what is a cynic? Really, as Carlin, George Carlin said, you scratch a cynic, you find a disappointed idealist. So my ideals were disappointed. The world isn't as great and as on the up and up and wonderful as you thought when you were young. So you become cynical. Because to be cynical is to be a little bit smarter than an idealist. Exactly. It it at least means that you're thinking on your own and you're coming up with your own, um, you know... Or you're just not buying things on face value. It's probably the best way to put it. And you're assuming the worst. You're coming up with your own conclusions on stories you hear and saying, now wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. But what happens if you get stuck in your cynicism? You might be smarter than the idealist... Or the the sheep out there who listen to whatever they see and go, yeah, yeah, meh, yeah, meh, true, true, mm-hmm. who just want to follow. But a cynic is not the smartest position you could probably have. You need to then be able to say, okay, I remember my ideals, and I still hold on to my cynicism. So I have to take each day at a time. I have to take each week, each month, each year, and then I need to look back at all of human history as best as possible. I mean, we're all busy, and some of us are better than others at certain things. Um, More time, or just better at reading, whatever. I've been on this big kick of some people are better than others in a lot of different ways. But if you, essentially the idea is out of cynicism you gain perspective, and you try to be pragmatic. You gain perspective, you try to be pragmatic, you try to understand what is useful. We can assume the worst, we can assume the best, and we'll try to mix the two and come up with something approximating wisdom. So there's that. I don't want to be completely cynical about the world. And in fact, though... Why not? Well, because I think it can be self-fulfilling. If you're, let's just say, not about the world, cynical about yourself... And your place in this crazy world that's constantly changing. If okay. you think the system's against you and the world's going to hell, 
It's why do you think these people who are so worried about climate change are having these conversations about not having children? And that is a sort of cynicism that human beings are not going to get their stuff together because they believe wholeheartedly in that this is an imminent existential threat. So why would I bring a child into this world? And you can find whatever other excuse. The world's bad, blah, blah, blah. And what happens is that cynicism leads you to not looking and gaining perspective about your own life in the long run and about how good things actually are for a lot of people in this world. You gain perspective. I've mentioned this guy before, but I want to mention him again. Another, I've been big on the psychologist these days. I tend to like him. A cognitive psychologist named Steven Pinker. Harvard guy. I would call him center-left. He's not, by any means, he's often criticized a lot of the more uh, radical left, if you can even call them radical. Some call them the regressive left. And he was like a lot of us. Why not be cynical about the world? Look at what's in the news every day. The news isn't new. It's always bad news. People are going insane. More people, young people in particular, are suicidal. The people that are supposed to be in charge seem more hell-bent on stoking emotions and and just winning power, not actually solving problems. Or they have the pretense that they can solve all the problems in the world when they know they can't, just to win votes. And what Mr. Pinker did is he took a step back. And it started with one statistic. He found one statistic that said, in the 14th century, England, it's where we are a country based on the Judeo-Christian ethos and ideas, but we are also a country really based in British common law. And it's a weird, and you could also throw in the Greek and Roman classical antiquity. Exactly. You can go all the way back it's to a, the Romans. It's an incredible alloy that has created Western culture. Yeah. I mean, our legislature is built on the... But he stumbled across, without really looking for it, the homicide rate in England in the 14th century. It was 50 times higher than it is today. However many people are killed today, recent history, in the 14th century, the 1300s, it was 50 times higher. He's like, well, we've cut down, you know, people killing one another a great deal in the last 700 years. Um, Think about when Notre Dame, the Cathedral of Notre Dame is constructed. From that point forward, we've cut down people killing one another and harming one another by magnitudes baffling magnitudes. Okay. I mean, I, I, I can get that. But then, However, who was reporting what happened back then? If you got killed, it, it, let's say we're in 1500, right. and somebody gets killed where I live right now, you think that's going to get reported? Do you even know about it? Right. It might be more. It might be even worse. It could be worse. Yeah, it could have been worse. And I'm happy to, and maybe to think that way. That's the way that people, you know, kept things in line back then. And now, if somebody gets killed where I am, what did the sheriff's department say? Oh, we're just not going to report that. Well, that does happen, too. And they cook I mean, the books in a way. Uh, yeah, books are books. But here... 
I, th- I do think we are a less violent group of people mm-hmm. as human beings right now than we were well, let 100, me, 200 years ago. Let me quote Mr. Pinker here. He said, like any other newsreader, I just assumed that there was as much mayhem as ever. It's only when you plot it over time, taking into account all the people who don't get murdered or raped, that you can see the trends. And then he goes on. It says it's not just violence that one sees progress. Not even the last 700 years, the last 200 in particular. It's poverty has been incredibly dashed. And I'm not talking about American poverty, though we can talk about that. Worldwide has been less than a dollar a day kind of poverty. Barely subsistence living sort of poverty. For most people in most of human history type of poverty. It's it's almost been eradicated. It's remarkable. The UN thought it would take much longer. No, it's pretty much gone. So it's not just violence and assault that's gone way down. By magnitudes, it's poverty. Illiteracy is way down. And then you can look at Americans, like even the American poor, access to small luxuries like beer or televisions, way up. The percentage of the world getting an education, especially for the longest time, women were not allowed education, way up. Even in Afghanistan and Pakistan, the world's most retrograde countries, the rate of, say, female education in those countries where you wouldn't necessarily expect it, way up. And he goes on and on. His point is that... And, and, and Joey, hold on. I don't want you to skip by that. Mm-hmm. That is something we cannot even comprehend right. in this country. We cannot comprehend the fact that there are still sovereign com- countries where a woman cannot get a driver's license. They are not allowed to drive vehicles. They cannot go to freaking school. They can't go to high school because one reason, they're females. That is absolutely crazy. Right. I mean, it really is. It's the sort of truly toxic... Uh, bigotry that says some people are better than others, but it's not like based on actual talents and showing yourself. It's who you are as a woman that you know that's not your place. You're precluded. You can't. You can't do. It is to me personally. It's not as toxic to me if you say, "Oh, you're a black guy, or you're a brown guy, or you're a Muslim." To use that as an indicator of how I classify you is to say you're a man, you're a woman, mm-hmm. no matter what you are. That is much more disgusting to me yeah. personally that it's like, wh- why not? Well, and it's not just disgusting in terms of the effects it has on people's lives, but it's just, you know what really pisses me off about it? And maybe this says something about me. It's disgusting and how it affects people's lives. It, but it's also idiotic. Like, it is. It's almost like certain bigots... I would bigots, use the word stupid. Cert, yeah, certain bigots, you know, we talk about how they discriminate, but they seem to lack the ability to actually discriminate. They just see whole groups of people as that way. No, it's not, a, it's not a woman. It's not a black guy. It's Susie. It's Tom. Like, right. why are you just boxing people in? But we're overcoming that in leaps and bounds, especially in the last 200 years. And it's not just America... It's all over the world. 
I wouldn't even say in the last 200 years. I'm I'm telling you, in my lifetime, it's, and I'm, I'm not that much older than you, but I am older than you. I got you by, what, 15 years. Yeah. I'm 45. You're fixing to be, you're going to be 40 in December. <laughs> no, I'm 30. You're going to hit, no, you're going to hit 40 in December, aren't you? No, I think another guy who hosts another show on this network will be fine. Oh, that's right. right. Oh, God. Yeah. You, you just had to bring that up, didn't you? Dang it. You just I got had to you. bring that up. Well, I've got you about, yeah, you'll be 30. So, But anyhow, either way, But you're saying in your changed, lifetime it's changed. In my lifetime, right. it has changed so much the way that we view groups of people and the way that we react and the way that we act and with one another and interact with one another. I mean, it's, it's so much different and it's so much freaking better. And yet, realizing that, we're all so cynical. Like, when you hear the story about the guy throwing the five-year-old from the third story of the Mall of America, it, it's not just what a terrible, horrible, tragic, crazy, disgusting thing. People also go, what's happening to our society? They, they, and because I think it's the news, we're biased in a way to the negative. What's wrong? We don't celebrate necessarily what's positive. And that's just a thing people do. Hey, it's maybe part of human nature. It may actually help us survive that we focus on the negative. Yeah, and, and I actually, I go in a different direction. I'm not cynical t- towards society. I'm cynical Towards somebody put him up to it. Oh yeah, I'm I'm telling you. I mean, it sounds. I know I sound freaking like a lunatic, but this MK Ultra and hey, kid, it's time for you to go. Jason Bourne, dial him up. Go throw a kid off a balcony. I I think in that particular case, I don't see that in that particular case because of his long rap sheet of. He should not have been out on the street, so to speak. And, and there was he clearly. I think we can both accept that there are people that just aren't right in the head that are no damn good. We can, and you most likely are right. But that's where my cynicism, fair enough, goes. It doesn't go towards humanity. It goes towards there's a conspiracy. Engineered. Yeah, right. Well, not a conspiracy. It's well, it's engineered it. to control. What's going on? And with all this crap coming out this way, I'm, See, I'm just I, sorry. I just can't. I think we have a slight disagreement there, and I think the world's too complicated. There might be instances of that. I wouldn't deny it. But I think the and when you're looking at broad swaths of what happens, I think the world's a little too complicated to actually be pulling all the strings. Okay. How does dude go to Las Vegas, shoot... Mm, oh, the Las Vegas what, shooting? Shot what? 20,000 rounds out of two windows. You picked the one example that baffles me. So there we agree. Absolutely no video footage in Las Vegas, the gambling capital of the universe. I mean, even aliens look at Las Vegas and are like, dang, that's a bunch of casinos down there. And nobody got a single bit of video from that cat. Right. October was it October sixteenth, two thousand seventeen is when it happened. Something like that. None exist. 
explain that. How in the living world does something like that happen? Well, if you're asking me, I, I can't. I mean, we've got video of I mean, guys walking into random gas stations right, and getting the crap beat out of them. You picked the one, for instance, that does baffle me. And But here's my approach. The official story, I don't buy it. But a lot of the alternative stories, I'm like, well, I don't know either. So here, here's where I want to get back to, though. Because you said your cynicism leads you there. Well, and, and, it, and it leads into the same. There were 40 people that were there at the daggum uh, uh, concert. They got shot up out yeah. there in California. Dude got killed in California. Right. One dude, that's... It's just bad luck, or is there something else going? On? Yeah, yeah. That's that's. It's just bad luck, you know. That's, that's just a coincidence. Yeah. Real bad luck. Sure, sure. If it actually is bad luck, damn. That's that's almost like tragedy bordering on comedy. That's, like, that's that's fate so saying, "Dad, gummit, how that's did like, I miss you the first time?" That's like Russian peasant bad luck, right there. You know, the sort of jokes they throw out. Anyway. Sometimes when we get so cynical, we start to think, "I can't buy the official story." Sometimes it doesn't add up, but. You can also go too far. The world's just going to hell. We're not in control. The, the owners, for instance, own us. They control everything. There's no power here. But I think if you realize things, in fact, in the long run, and if you gain perspective out of your cynicism, and you remember your ideals, you can have an epiphany. That's what happened to Steven Pinker. He said that from seeing graphs of human improvement, it changed his overall view of the course of history. That progress is a demonstrable fact. It's not a theory. It is a fact. It's not a matter of seeing the glass is half full. It's not just optimism and hoping. It's not a matter of being an optimist at all. It's a fact that very few people seem to know about. And they ask him, well, why is this? And in a short, he named his book Enlightenment now. He said essentially the Enlightenment worked. Science, human reason, I would add to it, when that science and human reason and the influence of, you say, classical Greece and Rome met the Judeo-Christian tradition, and you got this beautiful, in my mind, tension of human reason and science along with the basic hopes and human dignities that the Judeo-Christian ethic would bring. In particular, the idea that we're all made in the image and likeness of God. You started to see people say, well, it's almost, I saw a beautiful piece written about the Cathedral of Notre Dame. When that cathedral was built, it was like trying to reach the heavens and do it beyond just one generation. They knew that. It could go across multiple generations, but that's the inspiration. It's like, let's build something that is a testament to our belief in the Almighty. But it also led to, think about that, and this is a, a perfect example of what I'm talking about, is when you have the basic belief that inspires and that anchors you, grounds you, to look to the stars, to look beyond, to look to the heavens, and then when you try to reach them, you have to engage in all sorts of reason, technology. I mean, Notre, the Cathedral of Notre Dame isn't just a great testament to the, you know, the Catholic, Roman Catholic religion or Christianity in general. It's a testament to human ingenuity, architecture, art, so many things. And it's all wrapped up in that one place. It's probably why it hurt people that aren't even Christian when they saw it burning. 
Now, some people are glib, and I think they're stuck in their cynicism, and I've saw ridiculous responses to it. But the good news is, is that what we've generally been doing is working. So why does it seem like there's a breakdown these days? Because there's a tension between what is generally two fundamental worldviews. It has to do with how people view human nature. And we'll get to that after the break. And I, th- I think one of the greatest fundamental breakdowns, that's a great way to put it, is that for the most part, and I'm talking about people on the left and people on the right, people in the middle, people that are like you, that have absolutely really no opinion, I think for the most part, people don't know what they believe in. They know what they're told to believe in. They have a belief system, but they don't know why. And if you question them, why are you a libertarian? Mm -hmm. They can't answer that question. And at that point, you become defensive. And when you become defensive, it's anything else you say, I'm 100% opposed. Because I hate you. Right. Because I can't back up. My stance. I cannot back up why I believe what I believe in, and I think that's that's got yeah. A people lot don't to do like with it. when you poke them in the axioms or you poke them in the beliefs. Yeah, it, you're because ex- it's it very much is somebody's identity. It, it's, you're, you're exactly right. You're hammering at their foundations, and people tend not to like that. And, which and I, understand. I challenge my own children. I will hear like Peak will say something, and I mean it sounds like something I would say, and I will I will ask him. I says. Mm-hmm. I said, why do you think that? And if he goes to stuttering, I said, don't say it if you don't know why you think it. I said, know why you think it. You don't have to believe exactly like me. I've got one daughter that, oh, I could just freaking choke her. Mm -hmm. But at least she can verbalize and she can back up her own arguments. And I'm like, okay. I said, that's cool. You know, we can do that. We'll, we'll get into this, um, and I'm not sure I have no opinion on that matter of what I believe. Well, I wasn't saying that you don't have an opinion. I'm saying if you are at the, you know, when you question someone on their opinion and they just say, because, no. that's not an answer. I agree you with know, that. Know why you believe what you believe. Right. Well, and we'll get into... Or be willing to say... I only think this, but I'm not sure if I'm right or not. Yeah. Well, we'll get into it some more. And that's to do with a certain way you can view human nature that strangely takes all sorts of disparate worldviews and political ideologies and actually puts them into two camps. Not perfectly. No classification system's perfect. But it does a pretty darn good job. But before we hit this break, before we talk about those weighty things... The show is brought to you by, well, a great man. A great guy. A down-to-earth guy, though. It's real salt of the earth. Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. If you're looking to buy a home or sell a home here in the River Region, all around the River Region, whether in Wetumpka or Millbrook or here in Montgomery or maybe up at Lake Martin, Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group is your real estate agent. Changed his own life. He's helped change other people's lives by investing in real estate. He knows how to do a successful open house if you're looking to sell, what sort of repairs and renovations you need to put to your house before you even put it on the market so you can get top dollar and not be negotiated down too much. 
if you're maybe a first-time home buyer, it can walk you through a lot of the steps if you're hesitant. If you feel like, I don't make enough money to do it, Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group can open your eyes. So give Eddie a call if you need a real estate agent to buy or sell your home. 322-0662. Getting that number for Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Now, Stephen Binker emphasizes how do we keep the progress going, even though the news is blue and gets you down. We are progressing, and they won't deny. I mean, there were these things called world wars that happened in the 20th century. So it's it, but here's the thing: even though that cataclysmic almost event where millions die happens, we still progress. So it's kind of when people go, oh, are we all going to hell? Is the world coming to an end or are we getting better and better? It's probably both. And it actually leads to an interesting thing he says about uh, human nature. Now, he emphasizes that we need to continue using reason and science to enhance human well-being. And I agree. I don't think that's the only thing. I think reason, well, the sleep of reason, if you have no reason, it's all just faith or it's just imagination or it's just emotion. It produces monsters. It really can. But I think reason without any sort of imagination or faith or hope in the future can also... It tends to fall in love with its own creation and say, we don't need to create anything else. We've made enough. Smart people tend to like the own things they produce. And untethered from some traditional values, and it's not a particular iteration of those values, but untethered, it can produce a lot of monsters itself. Just reason can. Depends on where you start, you can reason your way to almost anything, (laughs) in a way. But he's asked about human nature, and he says, part of human nature allows us to control the other part of our human nature. Even though we tend to be unreasonable, it can't be the case that we're incapable of reason. Otherwise, you'd never be able to make the argument that we're being unreasonable. I mean, it's the idea, I remember in college, uh, a feminist professor of mine had us reading some nonsense that said, you know, individualism and free choice and, you know, reason are just, it's kind of a a male, patriarchal, like, uh, point of view. It's a myth of, you know, the white supremacist patriarchal capitalist system and i asked her a simple question like so if you're saying free will and free thought and be able to go your own way and pick yourself up by your bootstraps are just myths made up by men then how did feminists ever come about so basically what you said is you hate all women 
wrong. It's essentially the idea of well, like, no, 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 Joey. If it's a just, static oppressive system, you that disagreed with this woman mm -hmm. who was oh, trying right. to tell you something. So you hate all women. Yeah. Period. End of story. Right. I love particular women, but I hate all women. I hate the human race, to be honest. When I have to take them all at once, all seven billion of them. Oh man, I can't stand. I'm not them. talking to you personally. I know you hate everybody. People think you're racist or prejudiced or sure, whatever. Sure, right. No, you hate everybody. I'm a misanthrope. All right. But that statement would be taken yeah. right now if you made that statement it would be taken as oh well you hate women but there's room you're sexist essentially the point is yeah things have sucked in history things have really sucked for women but women themselves and men changed their minds they realized this is wrong they were they came up with reasons and they gave reasons and in some cases they had to fight for but in many cases they persuaded other people there is an element of free will obviously teach so why are we reading this nonsense? Well, because the idea is that you can't do on your own. You need some other authority to do it for you, which is, I think, absurd. That's... But it gets into two different visions of human nature. Now, we've had our arguments over this, but uh, you, do you know of a guy named Thomas Sowell? I have heard that name. He's uh, an economist. If you read something that he says, I'm, I'm sure I'll remember him. He's, a, he's an economist. He's, he's very well known. Um, happens to be black. Um, he said when he grew up, a young man, very young man, he was a Marxist because he thought living in the Harlem area, you know, why are there all these rich people in one part of the city and all these poor people? But then as he actually started to study economics and look at the facts, he changed his mind. And now he's pretty much a free market capitalist conservative. Mm -hmm. And he... Has written so many brilliant books on the issues of economics, on the issues of race, on, on so many topics. But one of his greatest contributions is what he calls two visions, uh, a conflict of visions, ideological origins of political struggles. Fancy title. But essentially, it's two different visions of human nature that essentially create clusters. You might have all sorts of different types of people on the left. You might have all sorts of different types of people on the right. But why can we call, even though they're different, they're still on the left, and the other group's still on the right? How can we make that distinction and it makes sense to us? Even if we don't have an... We just kind of intuit it. Well, what he says is there are two different types of visions of human nature. One is the constrained vision, and one is the unconstrained. Pinker comes along and he gives them a different titles. One is the tragic view of human nature. One is the utopian. But here's what Sol says is the constrained vision. Man is by nature flawed, selfish, and limited. Under the constrained vision, man seeks to deal with his flaws and excesses by establishing institutions of restraint, separation of powers, constitutions, etc., those who employ the constrained vision see abuses of power by leaders like, say, Napoleon Bonaparte as inevitable. It's the Lord Acton saying, power corrupts and absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely. That's very much a point of view of the constrained vision. For this reason, limitations must be placed on power and on the institutions themselves so that it is more difficult for any individual to abuse them. The idea is to decentralize power so that man's flaws are not catastrophic. The unconstrained vision, by contrast, sees abuses of power as being caused by not having chosen the right leaders or established the right kinds of institutions. Implicit, writes Sol, is the notion that the potential is very different from the actual, and that means 
exist the means exist to improve human nature towards its potential or that such means can be evolved or discovered so that man will do the right thing for the right reason rather than for the ulterior psychic or economic rewards. The central unconstrained vision is the notion that human beings are highly malleable. You can change them. Change society, change the language, change the government, and you can change human nature. Now, my point of view is much, if I had to choose between those two, I'm much more in the camp of the constrained vision. I think that human beings are basically free. That was our last argument. But I do think that freedom is very limited. And you are very prone to making a lot of mistakes and doing it for your own self-interest. Using your choices for your own self-interest. Often leave others out. I am more and more leaning towards this idea of utopia for whatever system is very dangerous. So I would definitely be put in the uh, constrained camp, not the unconstrained. It, it's utopian in a sense that to say, you know, we can change everybody. It's often, this is a clear distinguishing factor between the right and the left. Well, and that's, that's where I don't know how deep you want to get into this. It, it goes beyond, I, I'm with you. People are basically evil they have to be trained to be good they have to be trained to learn how to pay their bills every month they have to be trained how to take care of their property that they live in Mm -hmm. you have to be taught all these things it's not inherent inside of us you go back to the women thing if you believe in evolution Man went out, Neanderthal went out, grabbed woman by hair, drug her to cave, sure. and procreated and made offspring. And the biggest dude won. Animals. If that's what you believe, it was animalistic. It's just like when I look in my backyard and I see the bulls out there fighting. The biggest bull whips the rest of them and he gets to go down there and hang out with the cows. And to think if we came from something at that form and got... I cannot get my mind wrapped around why would we want to do for others. The goal in that... If you've ever seen a cat, a male cat, Mm -hmm. will actually... He'll breed the female cat. And when the kittens are born, if he finds the litter, he will eat the kittens. He will eat them. Right. To keep them from producing offspring. So he's still the alpha around the group. It's a threat to his status, sure. Why do we not still do that as humans? What caused us to breach that? ideology and and say let's do what's best for everybody what is the advantage of doing what's best for everybody there is none oh there's huge advantage no there's not joey there's no advantage the last 200 years shows it as a fact there's not unless you're going to keep them subjugated to you and you're going to be over them and you're going to rule over them Humans are so much different than every other animal on the planet. 
Apes don't think that way. Right. Gorillas don't think that they way. They don't think. Dogs don't think that way. Cats don't think that way. It's just surviving. Right. Why do humans see the advantage in, you know what? Because we can Let's, think beyond the moment. Because we're different. Yes. We're completely different. And humans are inherently evil. I don't agree with that. Why do you not agree with that? I don't think... Did you really did are. you not go to Catholic school? I don't think we're inherently evil. What what nature did we inherit? A fallen one. A, a fallen nature. Fallen. We are from Eve. Which doesn't mean you're inherently evil. Evil. So you're inherently pure? No. And, and someone... It means you were inherently pure you, and you're flawed by the fall. No. Is you, the basic you, idea. You can't be both. You're either... At the moment of birth, you're either inherently evil, mm. and heck, you're a Catholic, or were brought up in a Catholic church. Right. Y'all baptize at like day eight. Right. Why do you do that? Because you're inherently evil, and you need the covering well, of Christ to save There's a distinction, there's no. a distinction to be made. It's they, not that you're inherently that way. It's that you're marked by the fall. Okay, so you're inherently good. No. And then you're taught to be evil. No. It's not. It's neither of those. You can't, Joey. You can't be one way or the other on this. You either come out of the womb knowing how to do something good or knowing how to do something bad, desiring to do something good I or bad. I think actually most human beings come out of the womb knowing nothing, the, knowing I, very the, little. This is where your life will change once you have children. Mm -hmm. They know how to be bad. Yes. I guarantee you. Right. You never teach your child to say a cuss word. You never teach your child to misbehave. All you do is correct them and teach them how to behave, how to act in a proper manner. That's what you do. You come out and in little simple things like that, you are inherently evil. Then and how did we shake off and do good things? It is only through, is passed down from generation to generation, or it, this is where I didn't want to go to, because your show was not about this. When you were saved and God puts a Holy Spirit inside you, mm -hmm. and you actually have a desire to do what is right. We do what's right out of, well, the teacher's looking at me. I've got to do the right thing here. You do it out of compulsion a lot of times, but when that compulsion is within you and you actually desire to do what's right, that's just Clay's well, personal just, opinion. Let's just stick to how that's I, when you're saying. Let's just stick to how I was raised in, in Catholic theology. The idea is that, think of the Garden of Eden and that, that story, and that origin, is that you're at peace with nature, essentially, and then human beings sin. They miss the mark. That doesn't mm -hmm. suggest anything about what you inherently are. It shows that you made the wrong choice. You aimed, you had an aim, and you missed it. No. And so because you have an aim in life that you probably should hit, but you miss it, it means there are consequences for it. And those consequences are not just borne out by you, but by those who come after you and your offspring. See, I, I put a little more weight on that because that was the, the first man created. 
and it was the woman that that came from his side. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got original creation. They got one choice, and they screwed it up. And from that point, it was, you know, all of creation is going to be cursed. Even, I mean, there weren't, Joey, there were not even thorns in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a paradise. Like, uh, uh, where's the Masters? Uh, Augusta? Is that right? Yes. Where? I mean, it's it's like Augusta they were it's walking around. It's like a around. garden, right. And you just walk around and just it's beautiful. pick fruit. Right, and, exactly. And That's why I said you're at peace with nature. Sure. They screwed it up because right. they didn't they do what the they mark. were told to they do. Sinned. yes. And from that point, all of their offspring inherited the consequences, yeah. that. We're all fallen. If we weren't all fallen, there would be no reason for the actual creator of the universe to come to earth, take on flesh, and die on a cross. And we're fixing to observe that or remember that this weekend. But you're, you're, I think you're, you're missing the point I'm going to, is that we miss the mark not just out of evil. We miss the mark out of ignorance. We miss the mark out of not knowing things. And what is the very, what's the translation of Israel? Wrestle with God. Wrestle with the idea of there is an aim that we could have much higher than ourselves. And it's not necessarily just knowing everything at birth. It goes back to the idea, the example of the Cathedral of Notre Dame. You have an aim that is higher than yourself. It couldn't even be realized in a generation. And that's just a building, not a society, not a family. You're trying, so, you're trying to earn it yourself. That's where, like I said, I did not want to go but here's, this route. No, but the point you're I'm making... When you bring up stuff like that, you're talking about you're doing something to earn something. You cannot earn salvation because you're not perfect. Because the day you're born, you're flawed. Because you inherit that seed all the way back to Eve and Adam. Both flawed, you're mm. flawed. You can't earn it. You can't even live a perfect life and get it is is the problem. That's why the perfect sacrifice and all that mess in the... Well, that's why I, I would suggest I you... And this is, I think, a, just a fundamental disagreement we might have, given our backgrounds, but... I would say that that's why you wrestle with God or you wrestle with the highest aim, and you, you don't necessarily expect to reach that aim. It's not about living a perfect life in order to gain salvation. It's about trying to figure out using, yes, your faith, your hopes, your basic understandings of the world, as well as your reasons, wrestle with that highest aim and go the best place you can with it. Well, I mean, you Which, can... And by the way, in order to be baptized, somebody has to do it. And it's not just God comes down and does it. Why do we have these ceremonies? <laughs> Why do we have these organizations that have been putting toward these ideas and